Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmerz Day, February 28th, 2022. On the show today, did Disney accidentally leak the opening date for Guardians of the Galaxy? Plus, listener questions. And in our main segment, Jim gives us the history of one more Disney day, the 24-hour live event that happened on February 29th, 2012. Let's get started by bringing in the man who says that evil queens are just Disney princesses who worked in guest relations way too long. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Oh, look, I have friends who work in guest relations, or rather used to work in guest relations, <laughs> until dealing with that 1% of guests who visit Walt Disney World or the Disneyland Resort eventually wore them down. I mean, 99.999% of the guests, they blip in the town hall and they're looking for a park map or they want to draw yeah. something off for Lost and Found, or they, they are literally asking when the 3 o'clock parade gets underway. <laughs> what time is the 3 o'clock parade? Yeah. yeah but that, that's, yeah. that 1%, especially during the pandemic and during this era, of mask wearing who have been just horrible. The people who typically are enforcing a policy didn't actually make... Didn't actually make the policy. There you go. So when you swear at somebody like that, or you spit at them, or you push at them, you pick the wrong target for your frustration. And when you get bounced from the park and trespass from Disney property, you have no one to blame but yourself. So play nice. Yeah, I mean, there are other people too. Yeah, and it's not... To your point, uh, the people who are enforcing the decisions generally didn't make the decision. And... Even then, I mean, arguing is generally not going to, I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to debate with a cast member, a frontline cast member mm-hmm. and get the mask policy changed. No, right. No, it's just, it's no, not, that's not, not how it works. <laughs> you know. just, you're getting aggravated. This person's getting upset. Yeah. Nothing's going to change in the end. Why are we doing this? There we right? go. Gonna... Get that you're frustrated. That's what surveys are for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. Jim, it's funny you mentioned uh, guest relations because I was in the Magic Kingdom over the weekend with Laurel mm-hmm. and she wanted to run into the Emporium to look for a, uh, a new hat mm-hmm. that was there. And I went into uh, to guest relations to, that's where the ATM is mm-hmm. and they need to get some some money for gratuities. Yep. So, I, uh, so I actually sat there for a few minutes and listened to the uh, the questions that uh, the people ask. Mm-hmm. And you're right, the vast majority of your questions are you know relatively straightforward. Yeah. Like, how does Genie Plus work? Mm-hmm. How do I get to this particular place? You know stuff like that, and then you get you know the people who are like upset about the the length of lines, which I, I get as well. But arguing with the with the cast member about that is is not going to do you anything. Yeah. So, yeah, so. I got to say the, the the cast members all took it really really well. Mm. So that's uh, I know that they're, they're good people back there. It's just it, it is a far tougher job. One of uh, the funniest things I've done recently. So there's a couple of cast members who I had dinner with uh, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and. You know, and we're, you know, we're just talking about what it's like to work in the parks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right, just for fun, give me your guest customer service voice. Mm-hmm. You know, because you and I have, we have talking voices, right? We do. But everyone knows that if you've ever worked in customer service mm-hmm. or, a, you know, a, a customer facing role, you've got a voice that you use for customers and then a voice you use for everyone else. <laughs> so it's like, give me, give me your, your guest services voice. And they immediately flipped it on. <sighs> it was so funny. You have to, uh, if you know any cast members, or former cast members, ask them to talk to you uh, in their in their customer service voice. It's really, really fun. Better yet, ask them to point and just watch the two fingers point, come yeah. together. <laughs> exactly. That's an ingrained habit. You can't you can't unlearn that. There you go. So. <laughs> All right, Jim, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.bandcamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, Danny Boy, Tim Chavaraz, and Debin Monaco, and longtime subscribers, Mark Hodgkinson, Carl Benner, and Patrick, if Lou had wings, Kane. Jim, these are the folks who provide the apples and marshmallows that make the candy-covered treats in the newly refurbished Main Street Confectionery in the Magic Kingdom. And when I asked them where they find 
such high quality ingredients. They said, oh, the orchard out behind Snow White's castle is just filled with <laughs> apples ready for the taking. And then they quietly added, plus you wouldn't believe how much liposuction work Winnie the Pooh has had. True story. <laughs> oh, quick aside here. Within the past month, I lost a good friend, Robert Bish. He died far too early. But Robert was the gentleman who hooked me up with a really for real apple from Snow White's Scary Adventure. Really? You have one? I do. I do. And and what's the, the appropriate term here? Robert procured one? Reallocated. No, there we go. By having my other good friend, Vito Apolito, hang on to the back of his pants as he leaned out of a Snow White Scary Adventure ride car. Uh, <laughs> oh, so this this wasn't even acquired backstage. Oh, this was no. This was front of house. This was. Woo. This was. <laughs> it's a weird little trophy that I've had for a couple of decades now. and They've replaced it since then. I, one uh, would hope. One would hope. The Statue of Limitations has expired. If not, I'm a New Hampshire in the woods. Come find me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, you know, I used to have, and I don't, I don't remember who I gave it to. One of the oranges from Horizon, like oh. from, from the scenes. Yeah, wow. but I had, I have the orange scent, which is a whole other story. So, okay. All right, Jim. Let's do the uh, the news, mm-hmm. folks. The Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish Podcast. For your worry-free travel experience, every time book online at storybookdestinations.com. All right, Jim. A couple of reopening pieces of news, mm-hmm. and uh, thanks to our friends over at the Disney Comeback Index for pointing this out. Mm-hmm. So Anna and Elsa are back inside at Frozen Summerhouse. Mickey and Minnie are both back inside at Red Carpet Dreams before it was just Minnie, mm-hmm. according to Disney's website. And we got performance times for the Magic Kingdom's return of the Festival of Fantasy Parade, which will be at 11.30 and 2.30 p.m. to start with, and then the regular noon and 3 p.m. Jim, are you a little surprised that they're doing two parades per day? Well, have you seen the new expanded character cavalcade that rolls through the kingdom? I did. saw it over the weekend, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, watching the sort of slow walking back to a (laughs) full-size parade, because that's pretty good size, don't you think? I mean... I was counting upwards of between those riding the float and those walking the street, upwards of 20 characters. That's Yeah, exactly. Mm. The question I had was how much the return of two parades plus the remaining cavalcades will congest traffic along those routes, right? One, I mean, we know what the one parade does, mm-hmm. right? The afternoon parade does in terms of pulling people to the center of the park, but having two of them mm-hmm. is really, I think, going to cause some traffic. I know Disney wants to bring it back mm-hmm. because it hasn't been running for a while. It's great that they're running two a day. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised if two a day is the permanent schedule, but we'll see. You're not wrong, but remember, one of the things they constantly surveying is about you know the lack of entertainment in the park and the notion of, right. well, what do you want? Two cavalcades a day, uh, This uh, what is it, adventures? Disney Adventures, I forget, you know, what the banner is they carry out in front of this new sort of extended super cavalcade they're doing Mm -hmm. twice a day. When people show up, it's like, where can I see the characters? Oh, we have this two times a day, trying to service that need. Yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. But uh, So we'll see on that. But uh, yeah, I expect them to go back to to one. And two kind of makes up for the fact that there's no evening parade, right? Yeah, this is true. But again, the very issue you were talking about, congestion in the parks especially at night under the the light conditions yeah that's a concern but on the other hand you also you still have the fireworks you know you still have enchantment and that literally sends them out with a bang so so i think at this point jim the uh, the disney comeback index is uh just over 80 percent, which is good Mm -hmm. and we just have a couple of key things left 
until we get back to 100%. I'm expecting sometime this year. But I think, Jim, the next big one for me is the re- the reopening of the uh, barbershop on Main Street. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> As is your hairline. As is my hair. Exactly, exactly. Some other news from Disney. Um, they've announced the lineup for the Disney's Hollywood Studios one extended evening theme park hour event, which happens on April 13th. I think here they're taking the place of the Magic Kingdom. Mm -hmm. So I think we've got 11 attractions open during those two hours. Alien Swirling Saucers, Lightning McQueen Racing Academy, uh, two things for the kids, Mm -hmm. Runaway Railway, Smuggler's Run, Muppet Vision, uh, Rock and Roller Coaster, Tower of Terror, Slinky Dog, Mm -hmm. Rise of the Resistance, Star Tours, and Toy Story Mania. So all of the big attractions. I think that's basically everything except for Disney Junior Play and Dance, right? Yeah. In One Man's Dream? Yeah. And the nice thing is if you keep both of those off the table, A, you can keep people out of the animation courtyard. And more to the point, yeah. you can just put a cast member out in front of One Man's Dream and it's like, it, it's just up the street, Toy Story Land. That's where you really want to Toy go. Toy Story Land, just go. Yeah, yeah. Keep walking. Keep walking, kids. Keep walking. Finally, for news, we asked the question, did Disney's chief corporate affairs officer accidentally reveal the opening date of Guardians of the Galaxy. So Jeff Morrill tweeted out earlier this week, just another day at the office, got to test ride the new Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind roller coaster at Walt Disney World Epcot Center. Imagineers have designed this one like no other ride you've ever been on. Have to ride to believe it, coming Memorial Day. And then mm-hmm. when he realized that no one had actually said it's opening Memorial Day, <laughs> the tweet changed to say coming soon. So Jim, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, if you take this at face value, mm-hmm. right, it's an accidental slip up by someone who, you know, we've all made mistakes tweeting, right? Part of me wants to believe that this is, uh, and again, this is because I'm cynical mm-hmm. and deep down I'm a horrible, horrible person who doesn't trust anyone, mm-hmm. that this is uh, calculated and uh, to, to be a leak, right? That isn't really a leak. Uh, you would think that the chief corporate affairs officer knows what can and cannot be tweeted mm-hmm. and that uh, mistakes like that just don't happen. This is the week that we are in the middle of the media previews for Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Wouldn't this be a week where you wouldn't really have to worry about the Disney news? Yeah, let's not let's not do anything, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Let's let, let it all be about Star Cruiser, yeah. And I get that Mr. Marola is new to this field. I remember, remember, this is the gentleman that Disney hired because of his experience at British Petroleum. He was the one who had to step out in front of the whole Deepwater Horizon thing and manage that. So he's used to a different PR world, but Disney is a company of storytellers. And the whole notion of we tell a story in a certain way at a certain time, and then everything at Disney is fairly calculated, at least when it comes to PR. So something mm-hmm. like this and the fact that you know he had to jump in there. And, and let's also remember, in the first thing he tweeted out, he accidentally linked his tweet to a parody Epcot site. Right. <laughs> like, I get it. You're new on the job. There's kind of a learning curve, but especially the folks in ops, it's like, please don't say Memorial Day because the ripple effect that happens from an announcement like Oh, I, I immediately got email from people saying, I'm there like two days before Memorial Day. Do you think it'll soft open? And Or, you know, should I book my trip now? Should I reschedule my trip? There we go. Yeah. But again, he's no... Give Jeff a little time here. He'll learn the ropes. All right. So your your view of this is honest mistake. My view of this is uh, cynical media manipulation. <laughs> it, it's This is why we're a good team. There we go. Both sides of the coin. Somewhere right. in the Venn diagram in there, there's what really happened. All right, Jim, uh, time for some listener questions. Here's one from Alan in the UK. He says, uh, having been away, I've just listened to the last two weeks of podcasts, and they're great as always. For last week's show, it's worth remembering that when considering 
buying Genie for a UK guest, Genie Plus for a UK guest, is that we get the entire 14 days of Genie added to our tickets for $133. So if we use it for nine days in the parks, it's become cheaper than buying it every day. So if you're the sort to go to the parks on holiday, even if it's just for parts of the day, it's better bought in the UK in advance. That's good consumer tips, okay. right? Value for money there. Thank you, Alan. Excellent idea. All right. A note from uh, Nina and Claire, who says, uh, Dear Jim and Len, a longtime listener here ever since you, Len, were on the WDW Today podcast. In fact, I was at the last Mouse Fest in 2008 and have the enamel pin to prove it. I'm writing to you because I know you'll give it to me straight. Do you think the general mood in the parks is more tense and aggressive, or is that just the perception social media is delivering? And do you think the last week of August will be enough time for equilibrium to return? School starts 829 for us, and I was going to time our trip to Disneyland so that we're in California as late in the summer as possible. If it were up to me, I'd take my daughter out of school in mid-September, but she is more responsible <laughs> than I. All right. So the question is is uh, whether it's uh, worthwhile to go to a, on a Disneyland trip in late August mm -hmm. and what that's going to be like. So I definitely think the mood in the parks is definitely better than the perception on social media, mm -hmm. right? So number one, social media tends to be negative just because that's what gets shared. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, But I've been in the parks a lot over the last week, and things are... I mean, it's crowded, right? Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. and, and people don't like lines. But in general, yeah, once you're in the parks, things are fine. Um, I also do like the idea of a late August trip both to Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Mm -hmm. um, and here's why. So you, if, you, if you think of summer, think of it in three chunks, right? There's the first chunk, which is the initial part of summer vacation. Like, and that's like early June through July 4th, right? Lots of people go in the earlier part of that chunk, right? You get out from school, you immediately make, make uh, go to Walt Disney World, right? People plan that out well in advance. And then you get the people who have time off during 4th of July, right? And that's sort of like the end of that first wave of summer season. And that's also the biggest wave. The second big chunk of people sort of go like mid-July for about a month, like mid-July to mid-August. And that's smaller, but uh, you also get people from like Brazil, because uh, that's typically their winter vacation, right? Mm -hmm. The third half of it, which is much, much, much lower, comes after about the middle of August. And that's where you typically start to see Disney offering discounts, again, in you know non-pandemic years, mm -hmm. et cetera. But mid-August on is really when the slow time begins. So I really like the idea, Nina, of of going mid-August. And the thing I would also point out is, go ahead and you know book your, your hotel stay and everything now, but look out for discounts that might be released during that time as well, because they're often offered and it'll save you some money. The only problem really with going that last week of August is you're probably going to miss the Halloween decorations, that sort of stuff, because Oogie Boogie Bash is really more mid-September through October, yeah. right? So Yeah, Disneyland doesn't doesn't do Halloween the same way that Walt Disney World was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm convinced, and Disney hasn't announced dates yet, mm -hmm. but and they haven't announced the name for whatever the Halloween party is going to be this year. But I guarantee you that by uh, August 29th, mm -hmm. Walt Disney World will be decorated, decorated for... There you go. Walt Disney World will be decorated... There we go! <laughs> ...for Halloween. That's why... Ooh, they'll have the... Elmer Fudd said it best, Jim. Elmer Fudd said it best. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Disneyland, yeah, maybe not. But yeah, I think it's a, it'll think it'll be a great time to go. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, yeah, lots of kids will be planning for the return to school if they're already not back. So uh, Nina, like I said, look out for the discounts, but I think it's a great time to go. Mm -hmm. 
Here's a note from uh, Carrie who says, uh, podcast episode 356 with Becky Gandolin on the best uses of Genie Plus and individual attraction lightning lanes was super helpful on our recent trip to Disney World. Oh, cool. um, before listening, I'd planned to purchase Genie Plus ahead of time for all of our park days, but ultimately decided to buy the service for our Magic Kingdom and Hollywood Studios days only. We didn't miss it at Epcot or Animal Kingdom, and the individual lightning lanes we bought for Remy, Frozen Ever After, and Flight of Passage were well worth the time we didn't spend in line. Now I'm planning a November trip to the West Coast. Can we please get a similar analysis of Genie Plus and Lightning Lane at Disneyland and California Adventure? Thanks so much to you and Jim for the weekly insights and to Becky for the great advice. Uh, P.S. I'm not a rocket scientist, but I am fairly confident that the childhood experiences like Touring World Showcase and pressing those armrest survey buttons at Communicore paved the way for my career as a social scientist, Ph.D. in anthropology. All right. So let me just say, Jim that uh, someone who has spent some time this week learning a couple of phrases in the Wookiee language of Shinewook, mm -hmm. that I'm happy we appeal to the widest possible audience, and that is geeks, nerds, and dweebs. My people. <laughs> our, our people, right? So, so Carrie, I passed on your note to, uh, to Becky. Mm -hmm. She, uh, coincidentally, is actually going out to Disneyland mm -hmm. in a couple of months, so, uh, and before your trip. So I asked her to do the analysis. She said she'll look at the data and combine it with her experience and get back to us in time for your trip. So thank you for the letter. All right. One more note from Chris who says, uh, Lennon, Jim, thanks for your recent shows on CommuniCore in 1980s Epcot. It refreshed some great childhood memories. My family is gearing up for our first Walt Disney World trip since COVID in May. We're excited for Flower and Garden Festival, never having been. And I was reading up on it, and so much of it sounds great, but I was surprised by the Garden Rocks concert series. The lineup seems significantly less impressive than the average state fair. Shouldn't the performers be somewhat relevant, or at least not this bad? I don't know, Chris, man. That's that's kind of harsh. So let me, uh, let, me, let me point out here mm -hmm. a couple of acts uh, on here that I think are actually pretty decent. I like A Flock of Seagulls. Granted, they are an 80s act mm -hmm. and nostalgia at this point. They're, uh, they're there May 20th to the 21st. Also, I paid valid American currency in the last 10 years mm -hmm. to see Cool and the Gang, uh, and they are there March 20th through the 21st. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. Some of these, I mean, people like the Guess Who, you know, haven't been relevant for 50 years. It's a while. It's a while. <laughs> it's, it's a while, right? But the other thing I was, you know, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, I preferred them as uh, Mulch, Sweat, and Shears, mm -hmm. whatever. Um <laughs> The, the, but the thing I did here is I went out and looked at what Universal was bringing in for Mardi Gras. Mm -hmm. And so Universal has, I think, artists that we uh, might be more recent, but I don't know that they're necessarily bigger names. So Sugar Ray um, was here earlier in the month. Diana Ross, obviously, we all know who Diana Ross is. Mm -hmm. Bare Naked Ladies, uh, Styx, LL Cool J, Becky G, Khalid, uh, Seal, Gavin DeGraw. And then Jason Derulo, right? Or some of the, the highlights there. I mean, those are marginally, I think, more recognizable names, but we're still in the same ballpark, don't you think? If you check the Disney list, you'll notice that these folks typically have to agree to a three to four day stint. That's where I was going with this. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's not only not only, you know, who you want, yeah. it's who's willing to come. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. More to the point, who would agree to stay to do three days worth of performances, typically two performances a day. Uh, whereas if you look at the, the universal lineup, everybody's coming in, doing a show, and then jetting out of Orlando. So it's easier to get 
bigger artists under conditions like that. Also, I've been told by folks in entertainment that a lot of folks they approached were not traveling right now due to the pandemic. Exactly. That's it. It's the pandemic stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then and then so many of these people, I mean, let's face it, a lot of these people tour like 300 days a year to make a living. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked about Huey Lewis in the news, mm-hmm. who, you know, very popular in the 80s and everything, but they make a decent living oh. traveling 300 days a year, mm-hmm. right? So part of it is like, does this fit into the schedule? And a lot of them now, because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. are looking at things like, I need to reschedule the last two years of work. And I need to do this as soon as possible because this is how we all make our livings. Mm. You know, can I fit in mm. a side trip to Orlando mm. in addition to all of the other things that people want me to do? Yeah. So it's a combination of who they can get. Does it fit into the schedules? And how does the return to, you know, concert touring mm. all happen? I, you know, I think overall, this isn't a bad lineup. No, no. And if we circle back on you know, Flower and Garden for 2023, 2024, you'll see some larger names because there are folks who will be getting back on the road at that point or who yeah. aren't trying to work through all of the dates that they previously lined up and are contractually obligated to do. Right. Yeah, I'm still holding out for a, uh, a reschedule of my David Lee Roth concert in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, but anyway, that's a, it's a whole whole other podcast, Jim. Whole other podcast. There you go. Yeah, but I think, I mean, overall, this this isn't bad. And again, for free, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, there we go. I could sit and watch Flock of Seagulls for a little bit. I like, like a few of their songs. There we go. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim gives us the history of One More Disney Day, which happened on February 29th, 2012. We'll be right back. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. You know what's ironic? A lot of us out there will drop everything to go help someone we care about. I mean, we'll go way out of our way to treat other people well. But how often do we give ourselves that same sort of treatment? Seriously. We all want to be there for friends and family. But but let's be honest here. You can't help those folks if you yourself aren't feeling mentally healthy. That's why BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does. And if you feel the need for some self-care, well, BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. More to the point, BetterHelp is much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. So why not give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy? As I mentioned a moment ago, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, which is why Disney Dish listeners will get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Disney Dish. Again, that's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Disney Dish. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, Jim, I am super excited about this particular topic because although it's Disney history, I was there. Man, there are some great stories associated with this. So, oh, it was it was epic oh. in many, many, many ways. Oh. Go okay, ahead. well, this is the 10th anniversary of when Disney Parks decided to take advantage of a leap year, uh, the one that happened on February 12, 2012, to give stateside theme park enthusiasts a rare opportunity that if, if people wanted to, they could spend a full 24 hours inside of Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom on the East Coast or Disneyland Park on the West Coast. And Disneyland had previously done this sort of thing. The park had been over 30 hours straight back on uh, July 17, 1985, in honor of that park's 30th anniversary. And so 14 months later, on September 12, 1986, Happiest Place on Earth had stayed open for 60 hours straight Oof. for the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's the appropriate no- <laughs> noise land. You know, seriously, you know, there are cast members today who still, when you talk about the Captain EO opening, you know, the Disneyland veterans who still, you know, involuntarily yeah. shiver. It's the first time I ever tried Modafinil. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. There we go. There we go. But this was the first time that there were two Disney parks. Again, the Magic Kingdom in Florida and Disneyland Park in, in California. They were open on within the same on the same day for 24 hours. And I know some people, I remember some people were actually trying to do the both of them yes. in the same day. Like showing up at the Magic Kingdom for opening, doing a few rides, mm-hmm. and then hopping on a plane and going to Disneyland. Yeah, so people took this seriously. They like this did. was a thing. They did. Because, you know, the, there were people who, who proudly sport both of the t-shirts. Yeah. This was really more about squeezing a little more promotional juice out of the previous year's campaign. They, they let the memories begin. This is the year that they debuted The Magic, The Memories, and You, the first projection show on Cinderella Castle. And we loved it. Yeah, yeah it was great. It was, yeah. it was. But okay, so Ryan Seacrest officially announces one more Disney day on December 31st on, as part of ABC's live broadcast of Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve. <laughs> and to keep this front of mind leading up to the 29th, Disney Parks and Resorts every day for the next 60 days gives away one family vacation for either Disney World or Disneyland. Keeps it in the national spotlight. Meanwhile, the operations team on both the East and West Coast are like, can we talk about this? (laughs) (laughs) I love that marketing announces it and then it's like, oh, by the way, park ops. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, yeah. can we talk about proper staffing levels for this 24-hour yes. thing? How are we doing food and bev? Transportation might be an issue. I'm just saying. Yeah, and the management <laughs> team's like, eh, don't work. You know, they're kind of blase about it because they look, leap year 2012, it's going to be midweek. Wednesday, February 29th. <laughs> and Jim, you knew mm-hmm. it was going to be special mm-hmm. when you realized all of the resorts that were it within that were on the Magic Kingdom monorail loop mm-hmm. sold out within about like eight seconds Oof. of this day being announced because people realized that they were going to need to go and take a nap somewhere. So they're like, okay, well, I'll just stay on the monorail for this one day. You know, we'll splurge out mm-hmm. and we'll go back for our naps and then we'll go back to the park because I tried to get a room at the Contemporary mm-hmm. and I think I paid back in 2012 like $800. Mm-hmm. For that one room, because there were so many of us that were going to be there to cover yeah. it. I'm like, we could just go back to the hotel and nap. Yeah. Like, no one was actually going to sleep there overnight, but, you know. Well, it's so interesting you you bring up the monorail. I've heard from multiple people, both folks who were there for the event, as well as cast members who worked at the park that day, that 
clearly a ball was dropped when it came to transportation because the ferry boats stopped running at one o'clock and didn't start up again till five. Yeah, there was definitely a, a stop in transportation about the time mm-hmm. a lot of people started to get really, really tired. So I got to the park about 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. and stayed until the end. Okay. I didn't, I wasn't there right at 7 a.m. because I knew that 7 a.m. look was just going to be chaotic, right? And I didn't, I don't really need to be there for all 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But I got there about 11 with some, you know, donuts and coffee for everybody. Mm-hmm. And transportation, even then, mm-hmm was you could tell it wasn't it hadn't collapsed Mm -hmm. but it was running at max capacity and you could tell like this is gonna be interesting when when people start returning home but like around 1 a.m is when people started getting tired yeah and i want to say it was two o'clock where the monorail because again you know the 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 thing that the transportation folks is like look we have to be ready for the next day. We are pulling, you know, a certain number of monorails out of the system to do maintenance on them, so they will be available when the system fully starts up again at, at five or six. So we're we're down to we're down to the monorail. Yeah, and and this was the thing. They're down to a monorail that's making one loop of the resort loop every twenty minutes. Right, because at one o'clock in the morning, you've got one monorail doing the loop. You don't have two. Yeah, and and it, and now you know you've got tens of thousands of people who remember. You can't walk out the door like it does. You know, well, a Disneyland grab a tram and get to your, the parking structure. You've come over on the ferry. You've come over on the monorail. Yeah. So there were tens of thousands of people who came out the door and saw what turned out to be a ninety-minute wait to get on the monorail to get back, and decided, yep. okay. And again, you got to understand a lot of these are Disney veterans because they're here for the special event. So, oh, don't worry about it. Let's walk over to the Contemporary and let's hop on the monorail there. (laughs) Yeah. So now the lobby of the Contemporary is filled with the the thousands of people who thought they were smarter than the average bear. I was having a conversation with a Disney security veteran where talks about this night where it's like, I'm driving the perimeter road and I'm literally yeah. coming up to the water bridge between Seven Seas Lagoon and, and Bay Lake. And here's 30 people walking down, walking, walking along the road. And there's no sidewalks. There. No, no. Right? They're, they're just, they're trying to like time it so that the, they're dodging the traffic as they're going. Yeah. And Disney really doesn't want that. To well, no, that's I, a, the, the first couple of yeah. people did get in the, the security vehicle and we'll take you to the parking lot. But, you know, it, it becomes this, you know, this night of the walking dead thing. Yeah. And so they, they eventually start to herd them back to the contemporary and they have to like, we'll get on the monorail. It's like, that's what we were in line for. That's why we're walking to our car. And so yeah. they call over the transportation and send buses. And it's like, well, you know, the bus drivers won't be here till five. To five, exactly. And the other problem was too, is that, I mean, at one o'clock in the morning on a random, you know, Wednesday or whatever it was mm. in, in February, there aren't that many cabs no. and, or, and I don't remember, no. I think that we were in the days of Uber in 2012, yeah. but not the same level that we are now. So yeah, transportation was super limited and the contemporary, I, from what I understand, did get backed up. It did. It did. And remember, we are eight years away from the walkway over to the Grand Flow, which, you know, again, in theory, would allow you to walk back to your car. So when uh, Laurel and I walked back to the Grand Floridian this last weekend, we actually saw the gate moving really? uh, to, to release the uh, electrical water pageant. Oh, yeah. How cool. Super cool to see it work. It was really neat. Okay. Yeah, very cool. But did you know that it, did you know that in, uh, not only does it swing left and right, but it goes up and down? I did not know that. No. There we go. Okay. All right. Wow. Learned something today. Okay, now, now I got to go and watch. But anyway, it was rough 
on the East Coast, but because the Magic Kingdom was so far deep into the resort, and and as you mentioned, yeah. you know, you still did have the Monorail Loop Resort, which, which sort of took some heat off of uh, the event, but it was nothing like what happened. It, I, oh, I, Disneyland! Do you remember the parking lot, oh. the uh, parking garage? I I remember talking to people who waited to park for five hours. They knew they were in trouble the night before because people yep. started lining up at 10 o'clock and they were lining up because they wanted to get one of the 2,000 free oh, One More Disney Day Mickey ears. If I recall correctly, Disney didn't anticipate the fact that people would line up eight hours in advance for they this, right? Did not. They did not. And they've got all these people who started lining up eight hours before yeah. the event was supposed to begin. They opened the gates early at 5.30 and by 5.45... That they literally had cast members walking down the line of people that say, the Mickey ears are gone. I'm so sorry. The Mickey ears are gone. So sorry. Yeah, exactly. They knew from 25 years earlier from the 30th birthday party and likewise the opening of Captain EO that, okay, we have some institutional memory of how one of these 24-hour events began. But in 85, 86, the Disney annual pass program was in its infancy. It, it only be, had begun in the late spring of, of 84. And so mm -hmm. now at this point, you have between the two parks, the Disney Resort has just shy of a million annual pass holders in its system. And this was actually the red flag that the folks in Ops on the West Coast raised the effect of, okay, what happens if even a tenth of these people decide that they want to come out for yeah. this event? What do we do? Because, you know, our top attendance, you know, the most attendance we've ever had in this park was back in August of 69, where a week after the Haunted Mansion opened, we had 82,000 people cram into this park. Yeah. What do we do if 100,000 people show up? And it's like, oh, that's not going to happen. It's a Wednesday <laughs> in February. Come on. Nobody's going to come. So they had estimated for the whole day, we're going to get 30,000 people. 30,000. 30,000. Okay. <laughs> By five o'clock in the afternoon, 44,000 people had already come through the turnstiles. But that's not the crazy part because it starts It starts when people get off work. That's it. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Because you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the thinking was, all right, you know, that's like, look, you know. We made it. Yeah, we did it. You know, end of the day. It's... It, 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 it's the part of the horror, the horror movie where you think you've killed the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> is the thing. Everyone has said to the said, look, I'm finished work. I'll drive over. I'll park in the parking structure. I'll, I'll go in. I'll buy a T-shirt, show I was there, and go home. So as a direct result, the five has miles of backup. There was gridlock on every street surrounding the Disneyland Resort, which, by the way, the ripple effect from that, Len, the cast mm -hmm. members who were supposed to come in and work that night at the event couldn't do couldn't it. Couldn't do it. You can't get in. All right. Yeah. So, so now picture this. You know, you're backstage at Disneyland at the, the Harbor House Gate where managers are, you know, and employees are clocking out and managers are literally begging people not to leave. It's like, no, no, we need bodies. Oh, my God. Have you seen what's happening out there? No, you can't leave us like this. You know, and meanwhile, there are managers over at California Adventure who are doing the exact same thing. It's like, look, I realize you just worked a full eight hours at this theme park but hey how would you like to go over to disneyland work and oh another 12 <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Look, you've seen the reports. Your car's not getting out of the parking lot. Why don't you stay here and make some money? Look, we'll feed you. It's great. Now, what did you hear from the Turing plans folks out there? Because I have read some absolutely amazing stories from like 11 o'clock, midnight, 1 a.m., where it's Calcutta with rides at that point. Yeah, so Disneyland Disneyland had it worse than than World. Inland, you know, wall-to-wall people... Mm -hmm. They actually uh, stopped letting people into the park for a while. They did. They did. Food was hard to come by. Obviously, rides were difficult to get mm-hmm. on. Guy said, you know, the mood was generally positive. Yeah. It was like, isn't this crazy? But, you know, if you if you were there, like, to actually go on rides or try and experience the park the way it was meant to be, that was something different. Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely. I mean, if you made it in and you were inside, people were yeah. weirdly upbeat because it was one of those sort of quintessential Southern California moments where it's like... You're in this giant crowd and you're crushed up against somebody and you turn to look at them and it's like, that's Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> My God, he's having a great time. Yeah, exactly. But he's also yeah. being crushed because he can also be. But all, also yeah. the other thing that's fascinating is what made both that day and that night fun in the park is people kept running into members of the cast of ABC's Modern Family. Oh, really? There was an enterprising executive at 20th Century Fox Television. They're they're the ones who made Modern Family for ABC. And they had a script in hand from Cindy Chupek, which sent the Dunphy and Pritchard family to Disneyland on a busy summer day. And the guy's looking at that, oh, Disneyland's going to do this event in mid-February. And it's like, well, shoot, they're going to be doing it in the middle of the week. We can go down and the park will be artificially full. So it'll look like a busy Mm -hmm. summer day and we can shoot midweek. So nobody loses their weekend. So it's like, oh, let's go to Disneyland and shoot a special on location episode of Modern Family while this is going on. Never realizing that again... (laughs) It's going to be. We can't use any of this. Well, no, no, no. What's actually amazing is that, that this turns out actually to be. It's, it's by the way, it's episode 22 of the third season of, of Modern Family. And it, Len, it's a wonderful episode. Just off to the sides at times, you can see the genuinely giant crowds that are being held back so that the, the family can do its scenes. And more to the point, this is an episode with teeth. They really don't pull their punches when it comes to talking about Disneyland. In fact, Claire Dunphy, who's played by Julie Bowen, the show actually starts off at home where, you know, she's making the family sit around them and eat breakfast because, you know, it's like, you know, you can eat breakfast because you leave the house because because the happiest place on earth is also the home to the most expensive churro on earth <laughs> and likewise jay pritchett who's uh played wonderfully by ed o'neill uh warns his wife gloria who's played by sofia vergara that look you really need to be wearing comfortable shoes when you visit disneyland she's like do you know how much walking you're gonna have to do why do you think they have so many fat people on scooters <laughs> I mean, that's good advice. No, no, it is. It is. But the family arrives in the park and Claire with her brother Mitchell, who's played by Jesse Tyler Ferguson, they're in front of the Main Street Opera House and they're like, oh, remember when we came here when we were kids and we caught dad crying in great moments with Mr. Lincoln? And Mm -hmm. Ed O'Neill tries to sort of deflect this criticism and it's like, well, he was a great president and and he was the first robot I ever saw. Which might be true. I mean, in real life for Ed O'Neill, that's yeah, great. But, but here's the thing. All right, later in the episode, we get the real story. We learn why Jay was crying in the Main Street Opera House. And, and to be honest, this is one of the very best moments out of the 11-year run of this sitcom. Ed Jay Pritchett character uh, turns to the camera eventually and says, 
when Claire and Mitchell were young, their mom and I were going to take them to Disneyland, but that morning, Dee Dee and I got in some huge fight over something or, or other surprise, surprise, and I end up taking them on my own. I remember I was on the Pirates of the Caribbean, and this whole fight with Dee Dee is really eating at me, and, and here was this angry animatronic wench with a rolling pin chasing after some poor pirate. You know, they're on a track, they're running in circles, and so he could never get away from her, and I remember thinking, I can't save you, buddy, but I'm getting off of this ride. So my plan was drive Claire and Mitchell home, put them to bed, pour myself a big tumbler of scotch, and then go tell Dee Dee it was over. But on the way out of the park, we made one last stop at great moments with Mr. Lincoln. I don't know what happened. Maybe it was what Robot Lincoln said about a man's duty or, or keeping the union together. Maybe I chickened out. But I realized that staying with my kids was more important than leaving my wife. Mm. Now, that's not the right decision for everyone, but it was the right decision for me. So I stuck it out until they were grown, and now the image changes, and it's it's Ed O'Neill's Jay Pritchett, who's seen back at home now after his day at Disneyland is done, and he's climbing into his backyard jacuzzi with his beautiful second wife, Gloria, again played by Sofia Vergara. And so you know, uh, Jay's comments end, and the universe rewarded me. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it got dark there for a minute, but it ended up well, okay. Well, no, that's it exactly. I mean, it's just the thing. It, beautiful piece of writing by Cindy Chupek. Amazing yeah. performance by Ed O'Neill. And, and a, kind of a stark reminder that the happiest place on earth ain't always the happiest place on earth. And sometime, Len, I will tell you the story of my, my friend Jim Koval, whose bride of six months asked him for a divorce in the middle of Main Street as confetti was raining down on these two at the very start of Disneyland's 30th anniversary celebration. (laughs) I mean, 10 out of 10 for honesty and saying what you want. Maybe zero out of 10 for timing right there. Well, there we go. (laughs) But I mean, I know that Guy has stories about his time. Oh, yeah. Because again, you know, the very thing of people standing in line with cast members, you know, standing out front to the effect of, yes, I know you're in line for the special food that we're supposed to be serving as part of One More Disney Day, and we sold out of it two hours ago. You know, so it's just sort of like, here, have a hot dog. It was tough, but at the same time, what was interesting at California is just when it it looked like it was going to finally topple over like 1, 1 1.30 in the morning, enough people got tired and went home and those who stuck it, it at worked out. six o'clock yeah. and they said they encountered the happiest set of managers that they'd ever seen. And they- oh, my God. <laughs> <It> was- <laughs> so I, I, I was uh, things got real for uh, in world about 1 a.m. And at that point, the adrenaline had started to wear off. Mm-hmm. And especially for people like I did at that point, I'd been there for like 16 hours. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, you knew that like getting from there to 7 a.m., which is when the event officially ended mm-hmm. in the world, getting from 1 a.m. to 7 a.m. was going to be the tricky part, and especially around 4 a.m. Yeah. So I had brought a pack of Starbucks Via instant coffee. Mm-hmm. And my idea was I would get a water bottle. I would um, em- you know, drink the water because everyone needs to stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. But then I was going to go to the baby care center mm-hmm. uh, over by Crystal Palace and pour the via coffee in because you remember they're in there's like those really thin um, cylinder plastic cylinders, sure. the uh, little packets. You could just stick those in mm-hmm. a um, and uh, into a water bottle, mm-hmm. dump it out, and then make coffee. Mm-hmm. Right. What I didn't realize, Jim, is how hot that water is oh. in the baby. Ca- it actually melted the plastic. 
<laughs> it deformed the plastic of my Dasani water bottle. Oh and it was actually so hot, I couldn't hold it. Oh. So I had to go get another bottle of water, fill it up halfway, you know, with cold water to sort of mix it out. Um, but yeah, drinking, uh, drinking coffee uh, got me through it. The other thing was there were, I knew so many people there, like everywhere you went, you were running into someone you knew because mm-hmm. Disney fans from all over the country <sighs> came to either world or land. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't, you couldn't walk from one land to another without seeing 10 people you hadn't seen in five mm-hmm. years. It was just great. And again, everyone was in a great mood. The, uh, the funny thing I remember mm-hmm. was like, I, um, it was about 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. I was standing in the central hub yep. and this family walked by me pushing a stroller with a child in it who was awake. Mm-hmm. And the kid was eating a turkey leg <laughs> at four o'clock in the morning. And I remember thinking like, this is, this is exactly like 4 p.m., but it's just dark. Like everyone is walking around like it's the middle of the afternoon, but we should all be in bed asleep. If it was, it was exactly like a regular day, mm-hmm. just the middle of the night. And I'm like, we'll ne- we're never going to see this again. This is fantastic. But uh, yeah, I remember once we got to 6 a.m. and you could sort of just see the sun mm-hmm. creeping up in the sky, you knew you had made it. And I remember walking down Main Street. Like I think I stayed until like 730. Mm-hmm. I remember walking down Main Street and you made the Land of a Living Dead joke earlier, but honest to God, that is what Main Street looked like (laughs) from the central hub. People, everyone was happy, don't get me wrong, but they were shuffling down. No one was running side to side excited. It was just like, put the left foot in front of the right foot. Let's just keep going and get out of here. And the cast members were ecstatic. (laughs) And they were ecstatic for two reasons. One, because it was a fun event yep. and they had pulled it off. But number two, they were just as happy to go home. And no, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the, I mean, can, can you describe <laughs> the line of managers who's got the Mickey gloves on who are high-fiving the zombies? Yes, like, yes, yes everyone. It yes, was, you know, like, get out of my it park. Was, it was great. Everyone, everyone was happy that they pulled it yeah. off. And I loved it, by the way. I think Disney should do more of these things. I think it was it was fantastic. There, Yes, there were operational issues. You got to give them 100% credit for try, right? For the 60th, in 2015, they did do one more of these. And they had, in a weird sort of way, it was an exact duplicate of what happened in 2012. Right down to the the line outside the park, to blocking access to the park. In fact, you know, they, they spent a lot of time, you want to go over to California Adventure. You don't want to go to Disneyland. You want to go to California Adventure. And some people wound up standing in a line from 11 o'clock in the morning till 2 a.m. till Disneyland Ooh. finally began allowing guests in again. Yeah, and that's tough. But I mean, they could plan it better this time. And they've got the reservation system in place they now. They do. So. They do. That's that's kind of intriguing. Yeah. Oh. I want to I want to tell one more story here. Sure. So um so um I think we've told the story before on this podcast mm-hmm. about the Ultimate Magic Kingdom touring plan, which is uh, a touring plan that does literally every single thing you could do in the park in one day. And I don't just mean the ride shows and attractions. Mm-hmm. I mean things like character greetings and seeing. Uh, all of the things that most people would consider mm-hmm. diversions or maybe wouldn't think of at all. So that includes like playing all the games that were there at the time, Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. It includes things like in Disneyland, playing games in the Penny Arcade, everything, literally every single thing. So we had come up with a list mm-hmm. of anywhere from 75 to 100 things that counted mm-hmm. as an activity. And on that particular day, 82 of them were running. So we actually had people try and do all 82 things oh. in 24 hours, which 
by the way, the current record is 99 things in 24 hours, but this was before that. So we actually had people who did 82 attraction shows and diversions in the park in 24 hours, which again is three things an hour, more than three things an hour, every hour for an entire day. That means every 20 minutes or so, actually more than that, every like 19 minutes or so going on to do something new. And those three people, Kenny, Nathan, and Jordan White from Florence, South Carolina, took them 24 hours and 21 minutes. That is amazing. Holy cow. (laughs) I remember catching them too. I think we were at, was it Jungle Cruise? Mm -hmm. When I saw them, and again, it was like you know, seven o'clock, seven o'clock in the evening. Things were in the middle of the craziness at the time, and I'm like, "Are you doing okay?" Mm. And Kenny was like, "I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> Good luck, man." <laughs> I mean, I yeah. I was out in California for the 30th anniversary 24-hour thing, and I I got to tell you, you know, when it's three o'clock in the morning and you are staring longingly at the Main Street Opera House, not because you want to see great moments with Mr. Lincoln, because because you want to sit down, you want to sit down and. <laughs> can sleep but i remember talking with the cast member and they're like it's taking us longer to load the show right now because we have to go and wake up you know half the audience wake up you know and it's like hang on i think no uh no attraction in all of walt disney world was more popular than carousel of progress that night but a great night uh kudos to disney for pulling it off i hope they do it again one of the better things they've ever done i think people really really enjoyed it so yeah a lot of fun a lot of great memories Mm, very cool all right, folks, if you've, got, uh, if you've got memories from One More Disney Day on either coast, send them in and we'll read them on the Ooh, air. Yes, please. All right, that's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please head on over to DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes, including the second half of our story on Disneyland's Flying Saucers. On next week's show, Christina and I review the Galactic Star Cruiser. You can buy... <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Very much looking forward to the show. So. All right. You can find more of Jim at jimhillmedia.com and more of me, letitturingplans.com. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, whose Iron Maiden-themed entry, Mallard Be Thy Name, is the odds-on favorite at the 32nd Annual Wild Quack Duck Race and Music Festival on Sunday, May 29th, 2022, at Jackson Village Park, just off Route 16A, in beautiful downtown Jackson, New Hampshire. While Aaron's doing that, please go on to iTunes and rate our show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.